Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Potomac Perspective presented by Stiefel. I'm Neil Shapiro, Head of Corporate Communications, joined as always by Brian Gardner, our Chief Washington Policy Strategist. Hi, Brian. Good morning, Neil. Good to see you. Good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And yourself? I'm doing well. Um, and both the Mets and Yankees still sitting in first place with the best records in their respective leagues, just like when we met the last time. So that's good. Yes. Uh, you know, New York baseball fans have to be absolutely delighted. Uh, um, it's just been uh, a fun season uh, for, for both teams. Well, let's hope it continues. Um, and there's fun in Washington too, Brian, not from the baseball team. That's a different story, but we, we could find fun in Congress, I guess. At least that's, that's our job here on this podcast. Um, so why don't we start a little bit with Congress? Obviously, there's been a lot of preoccupation in recent weeks in Congress on the, uh, the January 6th hearings, and now we've got the debate over potential gun legislation. So clearly those are grabbing the headlines. But we've talked a lot about how Build Back Better legislation is not totally dead. And now it looks like there may be some efforts to really try and revive it. What, what is the latest? So it continues to have a pulse. Um, there have always been informal behind the scenes talks going on. They've never reached a high level. And, I, and by high level, I mean a detailed level where they're close to an agreement. But lines of communication have stayed open um, among the, the various stakeholders and principals. And it continues to have this pulse because Democrats need it. They need it for several reasons. And it, most of that is connected in some way, shape or form to the election. Uh, they need to take something to their voters. Uh, Bernie Sanders, senator from Vermont, uh, has articulated that, um, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially the Democrats can't run on what they have so far. They need something. Um, and this would be the something, um, even though it's not perfect from a progressive democratic perspective, um, it's better than nothing. Um, also, if not now, when? Because the Democrats are going to lose the House. Republicans will control the House next year. That's almost a certainty at this point. There was a, a special election uh, in Texas last night to fill a vacancy of a House seat in the Rio, Rio Grande Valley. Uh, it flipped to Republicans for the first time in generations. Wow. And that, that's a pretty good signal that Republicans are going to have a really big night um, in November, at least on the House side. Um, so if there's no bill now, there's not going to be a bill ne next year. Uh, certainly nothing that Democrats want. Um, and then the, another factor which didn't get a lot of attention early in this year, but I think has been percolating more recently is um, uh, an issue connected to uh, Obamacare, the America Cares Act. Um, the policy premiums were subsidized through some COVID relief legislation. Those subsidies end at year end. The notices of the premium resets go out in October, right before the election. And some of those policy, uh, premium hikes are going to be substantial. And so that, that goes to a lot of uh, Democratic uh, base voters. And so I think there's a renewed effort to do something on the ACA. Um, now, those are all the reasons why it still has a pulse, but Democrats have several hurdles that they have to clear. And none of these are easy because the, it, they are factors outside of their control. Um, you have the January 6th hearings going on. And even those, those are House hearings they take up a lot of bandwidth and attention among senators. 
Um, there are there's negotiations uh, about gun legislation, which seem to be coming to fruition. But that will take precedence. They'll have to actually write a bill beyond the framework agreement they have. And there's some uh, speculation or hope. Um, it may be a better word. I'm sorry that uh, they can get something by July 4th. Well, let's just say that for hypothetically, that's the case. Um, so most of June will be taken up with that. You get to July 4th. You only have a couple of weeks in July. Then Congress is out of session for the August recess. All that means cal the calendar is the Democrats' enemy at this point. They are running out of time. So, um, and then th these are not easy issues to wrap up. The, the different uh, parts of, of Build Back Better 2.0, whatever it would look like, um, there's no pen to paper yet. So they still have to actually write a bill. Um, beyond a an agreement on a framework. Yeah, well, so if they still have to write a bill, and I understand to your point, it may not be perfect in some Democrat Democratic eyes, but it's something. So what do you think a bill could then ultimately look like, given where we are? So I think there are four or five main components. Um, one would be a climate component. Uh, it would, because Joe Manchin, a uh, senator from West Virginia, is going to be a key player again in all of this, it, it would certainly, and since he represents a coal state, he's certainly not going to be as aggressive as, as uh, most Democrats want. But there, there probably would be elements like um, building out uh, an infrastructure for electric vehicles, electric vehicle subsidies, things along that line. Uh, there would probably be a prescription drug component where Medicare would be able to negotiate prices, probably not on all drugs, on a selected few um, that um, that have an impact for uh, for voters. Um, but that would probably be part of it. The ACA premium issue that I just went through, that would be part of it. Deficit reduction. Manchin's big on deficit reduction. And this this actually puts him at odds with a number of Democrats who don't want anything that smacks of austerity. Uh, they're, they're going to push back and argue if you have money for deficit reduction, you actually have money for an expanded child tax credit. And so would they hold out over over that? I don't know. But that that, that will be a major stumbling block. And then the tax component, which we've been talking about for uh, quite some time, um, going back to the original bill. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. For 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 some of the tax components, I mean, some of these provisions are significant. Um, why don't maybe why don't you kind of run through what some of the the different proposals on the tax side could look like? So um, you know, you'd have some corporate elements and some uh, individual elements, individual tax elements on the corporate side probably going to have a uh, corporate, corporate alternative minimum tax. Um, Manchin was pushing for an increase in the corporate rate. I'm not sure they get there because Senator Kristen Sinema um, is against that, um, but she's okay with the alternative minimum tax. So I, I, I think that would be a, a, a compromise position that could make it into the bill. Uh, this global minimum tax regime that the administration has negotiated um, internationally, I think that could be part of, uh, of a bill. A stock buyback tax, uh, which uh, made the cut. Um, now, it's a small tax. It's only 1%. Um, but once that gets in, once a buyback tax gets into the code, that's a lever that future Congresses can turn to generate more revenue. So it may not be a big deal now. It could be a big deal later. Um, so those, those are some of the more important elements on the corporate side. 
on the individual side, uh, there would probably be a surcharge on very high income individuals. And we're, we're talking income in the eight, uh, eight figure, eight digit range, um, not just a million. We're going into the multiple millions. Wow. Um, uh, the prob- there probably will not be, other than at the surcharge, there probably would not be a broad-based capital gains tax increase. I think that's probably off the table, again, except for the surcharge on the high-income individuals. Um, 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 there's, there's no real uh, decision yet on uh, estate taxes um, and trusts, um, but I, I suspect most of those items that have been in previous bills will be dropped. But again, it's something we're, we're monitoring. Um, the salt tax, uh, the state and local tax issue, um, which is a big issue for uh, individuals in high income states, I suspect that gets dropped because they never came up with a definitive uh, compromise the last time. And that's going to cost them money. That's, that's a very costly fix. And we're getting, you know, for people who don't know that, that the salt actually goes away in 2026. And every day that you get closer to 2026, you know, raises the question, why are you fixing this now when nature will take care of itself later? Um, years, so I, I think those are, are some of the, uh, the main elements of what could be in a, uh, a tax component. All right. Well, that seems like a good update on, on Build Back Better. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, it's been a rough couple of weeks for all the markets, but maybe um, the, the biggest hit has come in cryptocurrencies. Um, I mean, crypto clearly has, has not been spared um, in this overall sell-off. And now um, there appears to be some traction around potential regulation, which has been a cloud hanging over crypto for quite some time. What are you hearing on that front? So, you know, it, it's just a fascinating area because there's so many cross currents going on. Um, the politics, um, the markets, um, you know, there, there's, there's often a, um, a view that uh, new innovations don't want to be bothered by the government. They don't want government interference. Um, but there are significant voices within the crypto um, universe um, that actually want legislation because they want to clarify the regulatory rules. It, it leads to more acceptance. It makes it more legitimate. The, 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 the various digital assets more legitimate. So there is a push coming from not all, but many voices within the industry. And, and last week, um, a bipartisan bill was introduced in the Senate by Senators uh, Cynthia Lummis of, of Wyoming, a Republican, uh, Kristen Gillibrand of New York, a Democrat. Um, I don't want, I'm not going to get too far into the weeds on the bill. It, 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 it's a pretty broad bill. Um, it, it seeks to clarify some gray areas. There would be some people who would argue that the securities laws and the commodities laws and the various rules and regulations attached to them already address a number of these issues. Um, but the fact that there's legislation means that there's at least some dispute about that. I don't think this is an issue that's going to be resolved this year. Um, for the reasons I just went through in the in the our conversation on Build Back Better, it's really late. There's just and there's this is a low priority uh, for many people in Congress. Neil, you know, you and I and our colleagues at Stiefel and many of our clients, we pay attention to everything that is financial services related. 
Um, and we think that's the center of the universe. But for a lot of you mean rank and file members in Congress, they don't see it that way. So this is this is not going to be something they want to tackle as yeah. they head back to the voters uh, in November. But um, look, with with the the re the recent market sell offs, um, uh, the news coming out of uh, some temporary suspension of withdrawals uh, from uh, from some products and, and some uh, service providers, that is going to build interest in this going forward. Um, so I, I do think it's a uh, an issue for 2023 and 2024, but uh, we're not there yet. Yeah, but I think you're right. I think some sort of clarity on right on, on on regulations would help. Um, in this case, I think you're right. In most cases, a lot of um, industries don't want the government poking around. But for all the reasons that you laid out, I think that um, this would be welcomed by a lot of players. You know, it's, it's interesting, Neil, because you know, having worked on Capitol Hill when um, Silicon Valley and the tech industry was coming of age in the 90s, they were very uh, they had a very much arm's length, even further away uh, relationship with Congress. They did not want any government intervention in their industries and their companies at all. Um, uh, a lot of crypto players have become very involved very early in Washington. It's a very different approach than you saw in 1990s tech. Um, it, so just as, a, as a, an observer of, of Washington and, uh, and, and economic regulation, it's fascinating to see the different approaches from different sectors. Yeah. Well, Brian, I think we have time for one other um, one other topic, and you know we've talked a couple of times in recent episodes about inflation. Obviously, it's the number one issue um, on the Biden agenda. He has said so, and clearly uh, continues to be a problem. We've talked about is there really anything he, the president, can do to combat inflation? And it looks like um, you know what Americans focus on the most are gas prices. Now they're well over $5 a gallon in most places. And now it looks like the president is trying to make another move to get those gas prices lower. What, what, what's going on with that? So uh, the, the morning that you and I are speaking, uh, the president has sent a, a letter or a series of letters to the heads of various energy companies, asking them to defend uh, their practices and explain um, some of their business decisions and basically is... Um, trying to deflect some blame on them for the increase in prices. Um, and so I actually think the letter underscores the limited tools that Biden has at his disposal. Um, I, I actually think it's a, it, it looks rather desperate um, uh, uh, politically. Um, there just aren't that many levers he can pull on this. Um, there continues to be a debate uh, in Congress about uh, a, a holiday for the federal uh, gas tax, which is but know, that's, that's, a gallon, more, I'm sure. that's more symbolic than anything, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. So I'm I'm sure we would all appreciate uh, seeing gas prices go down by 18 percent, assuming that it would all be passed along to the consumer, and you know we can debate that for for quite some time. Um, but um, really, I, I think it it uh, it's more of a supply issue. Um, and, you know, our, our Stiefel colleagues that, that follow the sector can explain better than I can the dynamics of that. So uh, and, and why that is so hard to, uh, to that the increased supply is, is very difficult to ramp up. So uh, 
Yeah, I, I think the administration um, is in a very tight spot here. People are unhappy. Um, when you look at polling data, not just the president's job approval numbers, but whether the country is on the right track, wrong track, the, the wrong track numbers are startling. Um, they are at levels that were rarely seen in the Trump years, uh, um, despite some of the various controversies that, that, that the former president would stir up. Um, his, the, the wrong track numbers tended to be in the lower to mid 50s for most of his administration. We're now in the high 60s, getting near 70. And that, that's a really bad signal for uh, any incumbent, any, any political party. Um, so I, I, I think he has very limited tools at this point. And I, I think they're really feeling the pressure of what this is all going to mean to them electorally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, talk about trying to pass the buck. I mean, one of the lines in the letter, the crunch that families are facing deserves your immediate action. So, um, yep, definitely. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's political messaging. Um, they're, they're, the, uh, the administration is rightfully trying to inoculate themselves. I, I think most administrations would would take the, uh, a similar tack, um, but they don't have a lot of, uh, of tools that that are that's going to provide immediate relief, and so I don't think you're going to see any uh, that this is going to wind up having any impact on prices in in any way that would then flow through and impact uh, the elections in the fall in a in a beneficial way for Democrats. Um, I think it's all just downside risk for them at this point. Yeah. Well, Brian, I think that's all the time we have for today. Uh, for today, so um, Brian, thank you. Thank you, Neil. It's good to catch up with you. Same here. And thanks to everyone for joining us. Don't forget, you can find Potomac Perspective wherever you get your podcasts. So be sure and download and subscribe and we'll see everybody next time.